Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Weekly Podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, September 23rd, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Cindy Honcharenko, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Strategist, and Mike Schroda, Senior Lead Equity Analyst. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, which addresses a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. For this week's economic news, housing data was mixed as building permits in August declined from the prior month, but housing starts increased. Leading economic indicators decreased in August for the fifth consecutive month, and initial unemployment claims for the week were consistent with the recent trend and have not yet meaningfully increased, reflecting the continued tight labor market, which is good news. The major event for the week was the much-anticipated Federal Reserve meeting and press conference on Wednesday, where the Fed raised interest rates by 75 basis points for the third consecutive meeting to try to curb inflation. So, Cindy, let's start with you for a recap of the Fed's actions and comments from Jay Powell. Thanks, Brian. So the Fed announced a unanimous 75 basis point hike, coupled with a more hawkish dot plot and a Jackson Hole-like press conference in which Chair Powell reiterated the central bank's commitment to restoring price stability. Powell specifically stated, without price stability, the economy does not work for anyone. He concluded by adamantly assuming, assuring that the, regardless of the exact trajectory of interest rates, the Fed is determined to do enough to restore price stability. Uh, the highlight was the updated dot plot or summary of economic projections. It showed the median Fed, Fed funds projection moving to 4.5% by the end of 2022 and peaking at a terminal rate of 4.75% uh, next year. Uh, the 2022 median reflects more than just an aspiration. It's strongly implying that the committee intends to hike another 75 basis points in November, followed by a 50 basis point hike in December, and ultimately another 25 basis point hike in February of 2023. This is a reflection of the limited supply of additional relevant economic data ahead of the November FOMC meeting. It's also worth noting uh, Powell did in the press conference that nearly half of the committee is willing to consider less aggressive fourth quarter tightening. The 2024 and 25 median dots signaled rate cuts, but remain firmly in restrictive territory at 4% and 3% respectively. The longer run estimate of neutral funds rate was unchanged at 2.5%, uh, basically very much representative of a Fed intent on not letting up too early. So they're going to keep the, the pedal on the gas. Uh, we think that the Fed ultimately will not move quite so high, uh, but persistently 
but but persistent inflation will prevent it from pivoting uh, rate cuts so quickly. Changes to the official meeting statement were minimal. Revised economic forecasts were more telling. Uh, the forecasts show growth further below trend, but do not imply a recession in poly policymakers' collective view. Uh, Powell addressed this feature in the press conference when, while he said he was not sure of the probability of recession, he saw a very high likelihood of an extended period of below trend growth. Uh, again, the conference was reminiscent of Jackson Hole, his message remaining that the Fed will effectively do whatever it takes to restore price stability. While Powell said he retained hope that inflation could retain, return to target with a terminal 4.75% Fed funds at a 4.5% unemployment rate, he allowed that if more pain was needed, that the Fed would inflict it. My advice right now for investors, uh, <laughs> there's really no way you can get ahead of the Fed. They're just tightening so fast. It's basically they're driving 75 miles an hour. And I don't think they're quite sure where the, the road's headed at this point. So my suggestion would be to wait until the Fed pauses on the tightening uh, front and then uh, reassess there and then look to uh, extend duration. Yeah, I think that's a great setup, Cindy. Um, you know, I, I think it gets down to one simple thing, which I think the Fed is now willing to take us into a recession, right? They never want to cause a recession. They're not, <laughs> they're not bad people. They don't want to inflict pain uh, unless they have to, but I think they kind of have to now. Inflation is just really running too hot. And, you know, just to take, you know, if, wide, if we widen the lens a little bit, it's kind of curious to see, um, countries like Norway, Indonesia, Taiwan, Philippines, after I write all these down, South Africa raised interest rates 75 basis points. The Swiss National Bank, which has historically been in negative territory with respect to their interest policy, now raised uh, their rates by 75 basis points. The United Kingdom, you know, you've got this kind of global tightening uh, around the world happening, and it's all because of inflation. Now, most of our clients are U.S. investors, so what does it mean for us? It, it means that things are going to slow down. Fed's taking um, taking liquidity away, and financial conditions are are constricting a little bit. So it's going to be a bumpy ride. It has been a bumpy ride already this year, um, but you know we've been advocating for kind of staying neutral towards equities. I still think equities are probably your best bet to try and overcome inflation over the long run. But at the same time, we have above average cash balances right now, and at some point, to your point, Cindy, it's probably good to deploy that cash when it really feels um, the worst. We're probably not at that point yet. We've probably have some more things to digest. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll flip it over to Mike to talk about equities. But I just think this is gonna be a, a really kind of a chopping environment for a while. The Fed, again, is not trying to um, inflict pain or inflict harm, but inflation is just frankly too too hot for them to, do, uh, to kind of stand idly by. You know, I think if you kind of think about what you talked about, Cindy, with respect to their financial projections, or I'm sorry, not sorry, the economic projections rather, they're not forecasts, but these are projections that they make every quarter. You know, a year ago this time, they were thinking that interest rates would be around zero. They had the, some modest uh, expectations that rates would have to come up a little bit. Um, but now that game has been completely flipped and the table has been turned over. And now they think that rates are going to be materially higher. And they've done that already. The market's kind of gotten ahead of that. Um, the market's already priced in a couple more uh, tightenings and, um, and have already seen bond yields come up two or 300 basis points or so. But I think the other thing that they signaled um, that's probably gotten the market really um, kind of spooked a little bit is that they took down their growth estimates for the overall economy. So rates going up and the economy slowing down, again, that in my view, kind of suggests that things are kind of 
getting closer to a recession probably next year, unfortunately. So the good news from, I guess, again, from the market's perspective is that the markets tend to trade ahead of that. Uh, and so at some point, um, there'll be enough uh, fear perhaps out there. And at some point, the markets will try to anticipate the recovery and the eventual pause and maybe the eventual easing of, um, of Fed tightening. I think the, the key thing to watch really is, is two things. It's, it's inflation, of course, and some of those things that we've been looking at suggest that inflation is coming down. Not really, um, not as much as, as the Fed would like, but things are starting to cool off a little bit with respect to inflation. And then related to that is, of course, the labor market. And, um, and right now, that's actually staying in, uh, staying, staying in fairly strong right now. So we've never seen the situation um, that we're in today where the labor market is as strong as it is coming into recession. So that might suggest that maybe the recession might not be as painful as otherwise, but we'll just have to see. So I think the thing to think about is, uh, again, the labor market and how strong and how resilient that could be in the face of this, uh, this financial tightening from the Fed and other central banks around the world. Mike, we've seen a lot of pressure in the equity market, though. Um, what are you looking at with respect to what's happening in, um, in the equity market these days? Yeah, thanks, George. So it was a very rough week for the equity market. Um, we're coming off of a rough week, too. So we were down four and a half the previous week, and now we're looking at throughput close yesterday, already down 3%. Today's looking poor already. Uh, last I checked down here at 1015, um, down um, you know, about a percent and a half. But um, just for a recap of the week, we were generally quiet up until Wednesday, and then the volatility really increased on that Fed announcement. So market got spooked by that initial new dot plot where the Fed had brought forward um, those rate increases to 2022. So you've seen the market go from about 30, and this is S&P 500, go from about 3880 to 3820 in a matter of minutes. Uh, it stayed at that level for a little bit, and then Powell started talking, and you know the market started to rally a little. It saw, you know, Powell was talking about some successes, you know, energy's been looking a little better. So the market had shifted back up to above 3900, but then we got right back on track with the hawkish, hawkish message um, from Powell talking about housing still unhealthy, it's expensive, it's growing too fast, and then there's a lot of work to be done, we need to keep at it, things like that. And then the market just fell through, uh, right through 3,800. Uh, we continued that on, in through Thursday, because the market digested that news, down another uh, you know, 75 basis points there. So uh, today's also looking rough, like I said earlier, down um, percent and a half as of right now. So. Uh, what's been really behind this? It's still valuation. If I'm looking at a chart here, George, and um, if you could, you could almost overlay the S&P 500 right on this valuation, uh, the PE ratio for the S&P 500, and you'd be pretty close. So, I mean, you've had this consistent downward trend in valuation all year, and that's continuing again now on the past couple of weeks. So, we started the year at about 22 times earnings, and now we're, you know, 16 and a half or so. Um, but what I would add that's even more concerning that the bulls have been hanging their hat on is, oh, earnings have been you know, pretty strong. EPS has been strong. Um, but I'm looking at a chart of this too, and this is starting to look like a rolling top to me. Uh, you saw that peak in July, and now you're starting to see this thing roll over a bit, and earnings are coming down, uh, evidenced by you know, FedEx, uh, some poor earnings last week, um, and then Costco yesterday. So, I mean, Costco had mixed earnings, but it's, you know, they're seeing pressures at the margin. So, you know, costs going up, and um, basically, there's going to be some pressures here in the future, I believe. So something to keep an eye on. Um, moving on to sector performance for the week. Uh, hit across the board. Uh, nowhere to hide. Uh, the biggest selling pressure came from consumer discretionary, materials, financials, real estate. Those are all down more than 5% through the close yesterday. Uh, the only way to slightly get ahead would be in some more defensive sectors. Staples is only down about a percent. Healthcare, two and a quarter. 
So not necessarily good to be down two and a quarter, but better than you know being down three with the S&P. Um, so you can see the markets putting a little bit of a tilt towards hanging on a defensive as they start to look through uh, towards a you know, possible recession here. Uh, and I'll turn to a technical perspective on the market. Uh, last week, we broke through a pretty key support level at 3,900, and we've been trading in this downward channel ever since then, probably since mid-August. So it's not been a positive uh, trend for the technical part of the uh, viewpoint here. Um, now, I was watching this channel yesterday. So we had this channel from mid-August through um, yesterday where um, you had support right about 3,770. So I was kind of watching this number all day yesterday and was kind of holding, holding. I'm thinking, okay, if this 3770 number holds, maybe we get a bounce from there. But right at the close, we went right through that number and I was expecting some um, issues there and we've seen those today. So um, we, we could, those June lows could be in play now. Um, and you know, looking at the numbers today, we might actually be close to those June lows if the market continues on this trend uh, today that we're on. Um, on top of all this, uh, the, the trend index, the short-term trading index, it gets flagging again, and it, it's just showing uh, that there's fuel with the, the sellers still. So for those not familiar with what trend is, it's basically a ratio that shows advanced decline um, stocks and the volume associated with those advancing and declining stocks. So basically what trend is saying is there's a lot more volume on declining stocks than there's on advancing stocks, which would show that the bears are still somewhat in control of this market right now. So uh, another negative right there for the technical side. Um, now, I've talked a lot about negatives here. So <laughs> I wanted to introduce something positive. And um, I was going through, uh, I was reading some articles and some reports um, this week, and I came across a really interesting one, interesting one from Jim Paulson from the Loopfeld Group. And he had a positive viewpoint that I thought I would share here. Um, he basically put together a study that looked at substantial periods of peak inflation. And by substantial, he defined it as 6% or higher. And then he analyzed what the S&P 500 returns were after that peak. So he ended up coming up with seven periods. So he had 1942, 47, 51, 70, 74, 80, and 90. So in each of these periods, the results showed there was a clear link with the market bottom and inflation rolling over from its peak. Now, this doesn't mean there wasn't a recession after or there wasn't some poor result. It just clearly shows the market had kind of found a bottom when inflation had peaked and rolled over. And it's not that inflation can't stay higher for longer. The study just says it did inflation peak and come down. So if we look at 2022, you kind of see a similar setup. And you see inflation, I think a lot of people would say inflation has peaked and come down. And you know it may stay higher for longer, but I think a lot of the consensus may believe that we may have seen the peak already. So that could be a good sign for the market that we've hit that bottom and we could be ready to move forward. And like I said, it's not that we, the market's going to bounce up right away. We could move sideways, such as we did in uh, 1942 and 47. Um, but it, it's, just, it's just something to hang your hat on. It maybe the worst may be here now and it's time to look forward. The market may look through this now and say, hey, we know a recession's coming. We know there's going to be, you know, inflation pressure still. We know there's going to be geopolitical concerns. We know, but they're starting to look through that and saying, listen, rates are going up, but they're going to come down when inflation comes down. And then uh, we can look for some rating cuts there. So just thought that was kind of interesting. I would pass that along as a positive uh, viewpoint for uh, some optimism here.
Well, thanks, Mike. And George, I'll throw the last question to you. So if you combine some of those items that Mike just covered and some of the thoughts you had earlier in the conversation, one of the things we saw from the June Federal Open Market Committee meeting until now is the market began seeing positive nature, thinking that the Fed might not raise rates, then got hammered and the market went down. Cycle repeated itself three times. So what do you think investors can take away from some of the comments Mike made and what we've seen? Does the does the market actually believe that they've actually heard? Can you hear me now from a Powell perspective? Do we think that we're going into the actual message being heard by the market? Yeah, I think it's a it's a good question, Brian. I think the market probably gets it now, right? <clears throat> I mean, we, we, we talked about this from time to time too, that the market wasn't uh, maybe fully appreciating how, how severe um, inflation had become and how serious the Fed was taking it. Um, and so I think you're right. I think people now can say, yeah, we hear you. Um, and there's a risk uh, that, that things aren't maybe, or maybe I shouldn't say a risk, but there's a chance that things aren't as bad as we, we make them out to be. And I say that in the sense that there's still so much uncertainty and so much um, noise with respect to what happened from the aftermath of COVID-19 in terms of the economy, right? We had this huge um, explosion in demand, a lack of supply, and we still see many, many retailers and other companies um, unsure as, as to what to order. How much inventory should they maintain for the holiday season, for example? And so there's a chance that um, <clears throat> things could actually ease off a little bit in terms of the inflationary pressures that Mike talked about. And if that happens, then, then maybe the Fed has to um, recalibrate too. So there is a chance that things aren't uh, aren't as as worse as they, they look today. And we never know those things are ahead of time. So for that reason alone, I think you know it's going to feel uncomfortable for a while, perhaps. I, I do think that volatility is going to be here to stay probably for the next uh, several weeks and months or so. There's a chance also that the election um, could provide some support. You know, we typically see these kind of setups coming into the elections um, every two years or so where Markets get a little bit testy, uh, and then once the election is, is over, irrespective of who wins, usually the market trends higher after that. So we'll keep our fingers crossed, but I think we have to be, we, uh, we have to be very vigilant to Mike's point about earnings. Uh, that's the next thing we have to really pay attention to. Uh, but over the long term, again, as we go through this period of time, usually once the Fed starts to pause, um, the market starts to respond favorably. Well, George, Cindy, and Mike, thanks for your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or your financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key private bank and key bank institutional advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. 
KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.